Hey family, this is Joshua Jones. My wife, Lindsay, and I have the honor of being the lead followers of Way Family Church right here in Edmond, Oklahoma. Thank you for taking a minute to tune in. We pray the message gives you a different perspective about Jesus, His gospel, and what living life in His kingdom is all about. Take notes, listen intently, and be blessed. All right, you guys ready for some gospel? Let's get ready for it. All right, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. So for the last, I don't know, four weeks, I think it's been, we've been talking about, you know, we're meant to be spirit people, spirit-led people. If you remember, the word spirit in the Greek is the word pneuma. It means breath or wind or spirit. Um, a lot of times in the New Testament, that's the right half of your Bible. If you read it, sometimes you read the word wind or spirit. It's the exact same word in the Greek, so... Um, just want to read this to you. This is Paul writing to the church at Corinth, and this is what he says. Um, and I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom trying to declare to you the testimony of God. In other words, Paul said, I'm not trying to blow your mind with my fancy quotes. All social media is today from, from most Anyway, it's just, look at, you know, listen to our famous quotes. I'm not trying to use alliteration to blow your mind. He says, I determined not to know anything among you except to Jesus Christ and him what? Now, I want you to know something. Paul knew a lot. He spoke multiple languages. He's probably one of the smartest guys that we know in, the, in all of the scriptures, actually. He sat upon one of the greatest teachers to ever come out of Jerusalem. He knew a lot, but he said... I choose to know nothing except Jesus, who he was and what he did and his crucifixion. Um, he said, when I was with you, though, remember my, my, my teaching wasn't with this excellence of speech, but he says, I was with you in weakness and in much fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. But my preaching... And my speech were in this demonstration of the spirit and of power. Why, Paul? Because I didn't want your faith to be in the wisdom of a man based on how they talk. But I want it to rest in the power of God. That's so good. Whatever that next passage was I gave you. Sorry, guys. We're trying out our Moving some speakers around here, so we're trying some new stuff. Um, the next passage. <clears throat> I know I shot a lot of them at you, but just whichever, ever how they fall. Most assuredly, Jesus says, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do. Everybody say, I got work to do. And greater works than these he will do because I'm going to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. Why? So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. I love this. And if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. All right, the next verse. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, if you ask God for a fire truck that's seated on top of a, of a tower to appear in front of your house, that's not what that means. I right, understand that, right? Jesus is not a genie. I'm a genie in a bottle, baby. I heard that the last time I was around Katie. I, Kaylee, I don't know what it means, but anyway, she was singing it. 
All right, Acts 3 and 1 says this. Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. <laughs> and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who enter the temple. Man, and seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, they asked for alms. This is the first miracle of the church, by the way. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. And Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Love it. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. Man, I love that. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. Mm -hmm. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they that knew that it was he who sat begging, asking alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder. They were filled with what? Wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Next one. I mean, I gave you, but I gave you some. For most of us that don't read our Bible on a regular basis, we're making up for it today. I'm just trying to help any way that I can. Um, blessed be the name of the Lord. How about this, Katie? Katie, let's look at Mark 16. Let's do that one. Can we do that one? Let's look at Mark 16. Mark 16. She just put up Ephesians 4.29. I'll just quote those to you. And he said to them, go into all the world. This is after the resurrection. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. Dogs too. He who believes and is baptized will be what? Saved. But he who does not be, believe will be condemned. And these signs, everybody say signs, will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. I like to ask people, when's the last time you've seen that done or, or participated in that lovely event? They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. And they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now that is the command of Jesus. Watch what happened when they obeyed the command of Jesus. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven. Acts 1 says literally Jesus began to ascend up and a cloud received them out of their sight. He was received up into heaven. He sat down at the right hand of God. Now watch this. And they went out and they preached everywhere the way he said, the Lord working with them. And confirming the word through accompanying what? Signs. Through accompanying signs. And I think maybe that's all. That's enough. So <clears throat> Ephesians 4 and 29. Katie put that up there. Yeah, just let me read it. Ephesians 4. There's one part I just want you to see. And then we'll look at 1 Thessalonians. And then I'll share some gospel with you really quick. Have you out pretty quickly here. He says, don't let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Boy, we better listen to this now. This whole, this part of this scripture is really about character and conduct. Don't let corrupt words come out of your mouth, but only words that are good and necessary for edification. If, if, we, if we did that, imagine how much better our culture would be. People don't need a piece of our minds unless we have the mind of Christ. Right? That means if I, if I always ask my kids when they get in an argument, I said, do those words help or hurt? Do they make you better or bitter if you say them? Look, look, this is scripture. But only what's good. 
Why? That it may impart grace to the hearers. Next one. I think I gave you the wrong one. Maybe it's verse 30. And he goes on to say, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. That's what he says. Everybody say, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Right? And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed to the redemption. Thessalonians passage and we're done. I think it's 519. Yep. Do not what? Quench the Spirit. So don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Father, let your word speak to us today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. It was a guy named John that wanted to build a nice shelf. Something like he had seen recently in a magazine. But he didn't want to use power tools because he was not comfortable using power tools. He decided to build a shelf without power tools. And what he built was, to say the least, it wasn't stunning. He thought, how can I build a shelf similar to what I've seen without power tools? And so what he had seen was wood, but it was a bit ornate and required some cutting and some drilling. He wasn't comfortable with power tools. And so he just went and bought a couple loads of bricks and a few two-by-fours, I guess you can say. And he thought, I'm going to just build my own because I don't got to use power tools. And what he did was is he made a small pillar of bricks here and a small pillar of bricks here, and he put them close to his wall in his room, and then he laid a couple of two-by-fours on them, and he thought, yeah, that looks pretty good. I think I'm going to take it up a little bit higher. And he did a little, another pillar of bricks here, and another little pillar of bricks here, and then he laid a couple more two-by-fours on there, and he thought, yeah, that looks really good. I think I'm going to go up one more. And so slightly higher pillar of bricks, slightly higher pillar of bricks, and two more two-by-fours on each, and he says, I have a pretty look, good-looking shelf. And then he goes to put his books on there. And it didn't take him long to notice. Hold on now. This thing is what? Wobbly. You could say it was unstable. The interesting thing was is John's father had given him all the power tools that he needed. So the issue wasn't that he didn't have the tools. He wasn't comfortable using the tools. And so... His end result did not look nothing like what he's seen in the magazine, even though he thought, I know how to do this without all the necessary tools. But what he built himself was unstable. It really wasn't structurally safe or sound, and it didn't even benefit him or anybody else. And I wonder if we can take that simple story and ask ourselves, is what the Lord is the Lord's heartbeat, the things that he desires to build in our communities, where we live, where our kids go to school, even in our church? Do we think church in general, when you hear church, when I say church, don't think what we do in these walls. You have to think the whole of our lives, marriages, parent, everything. Is church, do you think it really mirrors what Jesus had in mind when he said, I will build my church? And I think sometimes we try to build things that God shows us, but we want to use our own tools or we want to go about it our own way. Thus, <laughs> what we end up building is structurally not sound. It's unstable. It's wobbly. And it doesn't take much for it to crumble. I'm telling you that, and I don't want to call the Holy Spirit a tool, but for the sake of conversation... In the clarification of this message, God has given us the gift of Holy Spirit. Understand the Holy Spirit is not a force. He's not a wind. 
He's not a aura. He is a person. Everybody say Holy Spirit is a person. Well, how do you know he's a person? One, you can communicate with him. You can speak to him. Two, he has the traits of a person. We read before, he can be grieved. You know that? Right? If, if he can be grieved, it's also to say the same, the opposite end of the spectrum. He can be made to be happy or joyful or you can excite even the Holy Spirit. Think about it. Think about it. So Holy Spirit is not a force. He is a person that can be communicated with and that loves to communicate to us. Holy Spirit is our modern day Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Who was Emmanuel in the days of Jesus? Jesus was Emmanuel in the days of Jesus. He was God with us. This may ruffle some religious feathers, but you know where Jesus is right now? He's not sitting on that pew. He's actually seated on the right hand of his dad. So who is Emmanuel with us right now? Holy Spirit, right? And where does he live? Inside of us. That means we're his house. That means Holy Spirit lives in a mobile home. Right? Some of us are double wives. Some of I'm not even, I don't know what wide I am, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a something wide, right? So... He lives in mobile homes. So everybody say this. Say, I'm a skin tent. You know, the, the first home of God that Moses made for the Lord was a skin tent. Literally. It was a multi-layered skin tent that God lived in. Now he lives in this skin tent. Jesus did miracles not as God, but Jesus did miracles as a man anointed by the Spirit of God. Remember, the first 30 years of Jesus' life, Lakeisha, he didn't do miracles. There's some crazy story in history. They're not true because the canonical gospels or scripture doesn't contain them. But some of the writers said Jesus as a boy made a bird out of mud and gave it life. They even said he made tables come to life. Now, we know that's not true. Jesus never gave life that way to inanimate objects. But... At the age of 30, Jesus steps down into the Jordan River where John the Baptist was and the Spirit of God in the form of a dove rested on his shoulder. And that was when Jesus received his own personal anointing from Holy Spirit. The Gospel of John actually is interesting. The Gospel of John says at the baptism of Jesus, it says the Spirit of God rested on him and remained there. That means for three and a half years, everywhere Jesus went, he had a dove on his shoulder. <laughs> it's problematic because a dove is an extremely cautious bird. How do you take a step without a dove flying off? Bill Johnson says it best. He says everywhere that Jesus went, he had a dove on his shoulder. But how do you, if that's symbolic of the Holy Spirit, and John said it remained on him, how do you move in a dove not fly off. And he says this, simple, every step Jesus took, he took with the dove in mind. I am, that is so good. Let's end service. That means every conversation Jesus had was dove-like conversation. Every encounter he had with a person, he had to treat them in such a way that the dove himself would treat them. 
Do you know it's possible to live every day fully aware of the dove of the Holy Spirit that rests on you and lives in you? Last week, we established that the Holy Spirit was given in John chapter 20 before Acts chapter 2. The church was really birthed in John 20. That's when they were really born again. Jesus, the Bible says he did this to them. It says he breathed on them and said what? Receive the Holy Spirit. And they received the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, it wasn't about them receiving the Holy Spirit. John 20 was about the Spirit indwelling them, but Acts 2 was about the Spirit empowering them. John 20 was about the Spirit living in them. Watch this. Acts 2 was about power for the Spirit to come through you. And when we confuse indwelling with empowerment, we end up doing these religious things that we do. Paul, so you got four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and what? John. The Gospels are about what primarily Jesus did. It's the good news of the life of Jesus, what he lived, how he lived, what he taught, things that he accomplished in his life. That's the Gospels. Primarily, they're about what Jesus did. When you get to the book of Acts, most of your Bibles say this. It's actually, some of our Bibles say this. When you open up Acts, it'll say Acts of the Apostles. It should say this, Acts of Because the apostles did what they did by and through the Holy Spirit. Acts is simply short for the actions of the Holy Spirit. Through the, don't think apostles, through the believers. By the way, the book of Acts does not end with an amen. Because it's never ended. So the actions of the Holy Spirit are still happening. Do you know the Bible's still being written? I'm about to really mess with some religious folks. If I really want to mess with you, I can tell you that in the 1800s, your Bible had over 80 books in it. But, but we've thrown, we've continued to throw books out. But I don't want to mess with you, so don't even go Google it because you're going to get yourself in trouble because you don't want to hear that because we're Americans and we're extremely religious. Had actually up to 88. But anyway, we keep throwing books out. We're down now to 66. Actually, the apostles and the early church used books that were scripture to them that we actually have thrown out today. But you never heard that in church, did you? But Paul says in the book of Corinthians, he says this. He says, don't you know that you are a living epistle being known and read by all men? Most people will never pick up scripture and read it, but they can look at how Caden lives, how he speaks to his wife, how he parents his kids, how he handles his finances, how he handles his clients in the gym. And they are reading our life. And Paul says, your life is a living epistle being known and read by all men. So the gospels are still being written, but just through us. So the gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but you get to the book of Acts. The gospels are what the Son of God himself did, anointed by the Holy Spirit. But the book of Acts, on through the rest of the Bible, are what the followers of Jesus did, anointed by the Holy Spirit. 
Do you know that in the Bible, from the book of Acts to the rest of the scripture, there is not one mention of one miracle that Jesus did. From the book of Acts to the rest of the Bible, he didn't do any more miracles. Because what Jesus did primarily was in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Why no miracles about what Jesus did? Because Jesus did not do miracles, guys, for us to worship. He did miracles anointed by the Holy Spirit for us to duplicate them. But you see a lot of miracles from Acts on that are not what Jesus himself did, but they're about what those anointed by the Holy Spirit did in his name. If Jesus would have done miracles only as the son of God, we could have stood on the sideline and said, whoa, that's amazing. That's worthy to be worshiped because he did them as a son of God. No, he did them as a son of God, but he was the son of man anointed by the Holy Spirit. What is the difference between Jesus and us? One is Jesus was what? This is no longer, you know, that sin is no more an issue for God, right? Just mess with some religious people. John 1 29. John says of Jesus, he sees Jesus coming. He says, Behold, this is the Lamb of who's come to take away the sin of the. It doesn't mean earth, it means cosmos. That means every created thing, past, present, future, known and unknown, seen and unseen, visible and invisible, and invisible. He's come to take away the sin of it all. As sinless as Jesus was, you are. Every time you go to God and you try to confess your sins, actually confess means to say the same thing. We go to God and tell him where we miss it. That ain't even confession. Confession is you say the same thing about your life that God says about you. We go to God and tell him where we missed it. He's like, I don't need to know where you missed it. I know where you missed it. You need to know where I, through the son, got it right for you. Confess that. And the reason we end up struggling in the same areas, we keep telling God where we missed it. And we are, by way of confession, we are empowering ourselves in our own dysfunction. Or if we went to God and confessed the right way that I am forgiven, past, present, and future, that you do see me as clean, you do see me as holy, you do see me as righteous, apart from my actions, then you actually get empowered to live the way that God sees you. We've seen it work in marriages and parenting. You ain't going, you're going to be nothing just like your dad was nothing. You're going to be no good, just like Uncle Leroy was no good. And guess how that child most of the time ends up being? The thing you confessed over them. Jesus was sinless, but this this is no longer an issue for us because we have been forgiven. Whether you like it or not, you're already forgiven. Your prayer doesn't make you forgiven. A man dying on a cross makes you forgiven. Your acknowledgement of it is powerful, But objectively, this is true for every human being. So Jesus was sinless, and now watch this. So are we. Because of his blood. If you had to say, Father, forgive me, every time you sin to get forgiven, that means Jesus would have to go back and shed blood every single time. But the scripture is clear. It says, Hebrews, he once and for all, once and for all, once and for all, it has been done. Not only was Jesus sinless, this is the big deal. This this is why I think I miss it sometimes. Is Jesus was completely Holy Spirit dependent. I think this is the question. Right here. 
We are not as dependent upon the Holy Spirit as Jesus was. Most of us have settled, I won't even say good theology, but we've settled for good theology when we should have had an encounter. I'm telling you something. I challenged believers last week. I didn't get one message. I ain't saying nobody didn't do it. I'm just telling you I didn't get one message. For you to actually go out and live out, I'm not even going to share mine because nobody shared theirs with me. It's good too. It's really good too. Go out and share your faith. I say it this way. Go play in the streets with your faith. You, I promise you, you'll never see a miracle. You'll never see nobody get touched. You'll never see God outside of church if you don't intentionally go be love outside of church. In the scripture, Jesus did two miracles in a synagogue. Two. That means all them other miracles you read about happened outside of a synagogue in Jesus' day. I don't know about uh, go re- research it yourself. He did two in a church service. But the rest happened as he went. It's okay. So watch this. John's gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John is the only gospel writer that uses the word sign rather than like miracle or healing. He uses sign. I thought this was interesting. I thought about Simeon. This is what the word sign means in the Greek. Simeon. S-A-Y-M-I-O-N. Simeon. G4591 if you want to know what that in, in the Greek concordance. Right? It means a sign, a mark, or a token. That by which a person or a thing is distinguished from others and is known. So when Jesus did miracles, John said this is a sign, not just a healing. This is a sign. What do signs do? They what? They give direction. Every time Jesus was doing a sign, he was pointing, giving direction. Every time Jesus healed a blind man, it was a sign. He was giving direction. Who was he pointing to, I wonder? He was probably saying, y'all should really come meet me at the synagogue because I got a burning message this week. What's burning my soul? No. Every time Jesus did a miracle, it was a sign. It was distinguishing him and his message. Miracles, signs, and wonders. What are miracles? They defy natural law. Miracles defy natural law. Things that defy natural law. What are wonders? Simple. Things that make you go, I ain't never. Miracles and wonders, but what are signs? They are directional. Now, you don't stop at the sign. You know, you're, you're leaving here and you're going to, say, Las Vegas because you like to gamble. You know you do. So you leave here and you're going to Las Vegas. Do you stop at the sign that says, welcome to Las Vegas and put up your tent and say, we're going to stay right here because the sign says we're in Las Vegas. No, you go to what the sign's pointing to. And Jesus didn't even just want us to stop at the sign, but he said, look at what I'm pointing you to. Look at the thing I'm trying to direct you to. And Jesus did all of these signs. Yes, he was sinless, but I'm telling you, he was completely 100% dependent upon the Holy Spirit. And John 21, verse 25 says this. John says, I suppose that if all the books He said, I suppose that if every miracle Jesus had did had been written down, he says, I suppose all the books in the world wouldn't have contained them. We have less than 30 days in the life of Jesus in four gospels. Less than 30 days. 
And in less than 30 days, we have a a plethora of miracles. And that's less than 30 days. How did he do it? Holy Spirit was on him. What were the signs doing? Pointing the way. I got to hurry right here. Paul says this, my preaching and my teaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. He says, but I came through the power and demonstration of the Spirit. Everybody say demonstration. I'm going to slaughter this word. A-P-O-D-E-I-X-I-X. Apo something. Apo D. It's the word demonstration in Greek. This is interesting, though. It literally means, Blue Letter Bible app, to make manifest, to show forth, to offer proof. Paul says, I don't want to just come and give you a good three-point sermon. I want to offer proof to you that what I'm saying is true. How, Paul? I'm going to demonstrate to you this gospel. That's why people don't believe certain things about Christians, because we don't offer proof about anything. And I don't mean just a sign of one in a miracle. I mean proof they were talking smack about me, and now, you know what, we, we quit talking to them. Let me ask you that. What proof was that? Don't believe everything you see on social media. I don't care how good, how many thumbs up it gets. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a good one right here. This is going to sting. <laughs> I don't know if I should do that. Not a better. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't just separate himself from people that didn't like him. I'm, I'm so glad that he didn't do that. I'm so glad that his life is still the standard. I'm still so glad that we can offer proof by our faith. Ready for this? By Jesus saying, bless those that what? Curse you. Not curse those that curse you. What good does it do me to get pissed off at Ben if he gets pissed off at me? What good does it do me? To, I'm going to turn my hat around. I'm going to give it to Ben because Ben, it doesn't do anything. If I do that to Kayla, if you get, if you get PO to me and I get PO to you, you know what it proves? It proves I forgot who I was in Christ in that moment. I operated out of instinct rather than my true nature. We need to offer proof. I bless those that curse me. I pray for those, Jesus says, that despitefully use you. When have you prayed for people that used you? One day I'm going to stand on the stage and tell you how I've tried my best to live this out. It's coming up soon, too. How I can bless those that curse me. And I hope I can be blessed by those in return who seem to think I would have cursed them. That we can actually walk up to people and we can say, you know what, man? If I was wrong here, I want to say I'm sorry. The gospel is profound to me. Not because Jesus loved those that were like him or people loved Jesus because they thought Jesus was like him, but rather because in the face of different, in the face of obvious opposition, different ways of thinking, different ways of living, people that were obviously hurting Jesus that on the cross, he can say, Papa, forgive them. You don't do that unless you really can prove something. That's not my instinct, but that it really is my nature. And we have to offer proof by the Spirit of God on who it is that we serve, guys, every single day. And Paul said, my preaching and my teaching, I'm not trying to blow your mind by all my fancy quotes or me quoting the Torah to you. I want to manifest something different to you. So literally the word manifest is, 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 is 
to, 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 to show forth, the word demonstrate means to show forth, to offer proof to, how we, to what we say we believe. Jesus said, we're supposed to do greater works. John 14, we read it today. I want to tell you something. You can't do greater. We can't do greater until we have, a, until we have at least done the same. It's so quiet in here, you can what? You can hear a moth pee on a cotton ball right there. I'm going to start saying you can hear a flea pee on a cotton ball. I said we can't do greater, I'm talking about myself, until we have at least done the same. People hate when I talk like this, man. You know why? Because it makes the rubber meet the road. If you want to offer proof of forgiveness, that means you're going to have to be hurt. Or misunderstood. That's if it's done toward you. You ready for this? Here's a bigger deal. This is, this is, now we got to put on our Christian big boy pants and, and big girl pants here. What about when we've done wrong and we have to offer forgiveness? You know what I'm learning? At almost 41 years of age, it's not their job to come to me and say, hey, you did it. If I think I did it, you go to them. Jesus said, before you bring... Before you bring your gift to the altar, this is what Jesus said. He said, lay your gift down and you go to that person. This is still scripture. This is this Bible. And he said, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Trying to sing men to the heavens. You got unforgiveness in your heart. Get that stuff out. Come on. I feel like saying, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Lord, I ain't ready for that right there. I'll take you back. Put my hand over my ear like, <laughs> y'all know about that kind of preaching. Y'all ain't ready for that kind of preaching. I used to listen. I was so religious, man. Jeremiah, I used to go preaching. I had bought me a long white hand towel. I'm going to be real because all my favorite black preachers used to do I'm like, I want that same kind of result. Only problem was I was so skinny, I wouldn't even sweat. I would wipe my forehead and I wouldn't even sweaty. And I tried to act like I was breathing. I wouldn't even breathe. I'd be like, poof. Because, boy, God was used to me, wouldn't he? I was so religious, man. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Y'all ain't saying Come on, Alyssa. Because if you play, I'll stop. Honestly, I was, boy, I would get it. I didn't even put that towel on my shoulder. I was immature. I was being led, but it wasn't by spirit. was being led but it wasn't always about a spirit two things really quickly before we wrap up here Paul says do not watch this do not grieve the Holy Spirit and then he says to the church at Thessalonica he says do not quench everybody say grieve quench come on say grieve quench do you remember the little chart I drew for you I drew for you guys last week remember that chart one side was about character primarily the other side was about gifting in context of the scripture that we read, he's talking about don't lie on the stuff. Don't lose your attitude, all this kind of stuff. It's, it's, it's about character and attitude. And at the end of that, he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. You can grieve the Holy Spirit by how we act. It's just like, has your, have anybody that got kids, your kids ever, except for Hannah, you, your kids have probably never grieved you. But the rest of us. <laughs> 
Your kids can grieve your heart by doing things that you're like, man, what were you thinking? One day I was walking on her. This is, I mean, it wasn't too long ago. We're walking around our neighborhood. And, uh, I mean, I felt a strong old covenant anointing come on me because I'm like, I'm about to powerbomb you right here, Honor. We're walking, just having a good old time, father and son. You know, he's experiencing the joy of the Lord because he's walking around with me. It does not happen that way. Trust me. I got a phone call. I mean, like 30 seconds. So I turn around. I'm just walking real quick. I'm like, hang out, buddy. He's doing. I turn back around, and his hand is releasing a rock. I had all them death scriptures coming across my mind. His hand is releasing a rock toward our neighbor's house, and it's going over our neighbor's fence where they swim. I ain't got off a phone call that fast. Let me tell you what. I mean, I literally had to. I'm like, Jesus, what do you say about praying for people and blessing people? Because I really feel the opposite right now. And I'm like, well, what did you do that for? He said, I don't know. I'm like, what thought came across your mind that it was okay for you to pick up a rock, throw it across your neighbor's fence that you don't know in the pool that they swim in? And it went over the fence and missed their car by like this much. He's like, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm, I'm feeling Tabasco sauce come up the back of my skinny thighs. Like, I'm talking about I'm feeling some Texas Pete Cholula something. And I'm like, buddy, you want to fire me up? You just did a pretty good job of it. But I sense grace on my life to just to minister to you in this moment. I wasn't feeling that right there. He grieved me. I'm like, but don't, 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 don't do that. That's not who we are. Do you understand why that's wrong and what could have happened? And, and after that, he's, he's always like, I'm really sorry, Dad. I don't, I don't, I won't do that anymore. He ain't did it no more either. Because I was about to take this. Anyway, y'all don't even, y'all don't even know. Y'all don't even know. It I almost went 80s and 90s on him, but I didn't do it. He grieved my heart. So grieving literally deals with character. But not only that, Paul said, don't quench. Everybody say, don't quench. Now, when you read that scripture in context, he says, don't despise prophesying. Don't despise laying hands on people. Then he says this, do not quench the Holy Spirit. You know what quench is? Quench is like a, I have a sprinkler in my front yard, water hose. Because in South Edmond, I'm not that fancy to have a sprinkler system, but I got a water hose with one of them sprinklers that do that right there. So y'all know about it. So I got it plugged up. If, if I cut that thing on and I grab the water hose and I do this, you know what I just did? I quenched the flow of that water from its source to where it's supposed to be going. And Paul says, do you know by despising the Holy Spirit's gifts and what he wants to do, you're literally quenching him. But I want to say this. What you're actually doing is you're robbing yourself of God history that you'll have one day in your stories to tell your children. And your grandchildren. I want, I want my kids and my grandkids and my friends to be able to say, you know what, man? My great, 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 great granddaddy looked just like the rock. And not only did he rock, he was a man of faith and power. <laughs> Whatever you want it to be, you know. You're building your own God history right now, whether you know it or not. You're building it. What you do with your life right now, that is what history will say about you. You want them to say you're a big giver? I don't mean money in church. I mean doing stuff for people, you better start doing it. You want them to say 
that your marriage is this kind of way or you love your spouse, you better start doing stuff. Man, that's, that, I think about like, what would they say about me right now? That's not, I got I to gotta get on it, man. I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit, but I also don't want to quench the Holy Spirit. We, stand to your feet, we have to let the Holy Spirit move in our lives again. That's what I'm saying today. Everybody say this. He lives in me and he's in me now. I'm meant for demonstration. I'm meant for power. I'm meant for love. This week, I will love on those around me as I'm led by his spirit. And being led doesn't just mean I have to feel it in here. But if I see a need, I'm being led. If it's obvious to me, I'm being led. It can be as simple as encouragement. It can be as simple as a hug. Or maybe it can be laying hands and believing for healing. Today, this morning, and and that, okay. In the kids' area this morning, Vanessa came up to me. She said, you know, I hurt my shoulder or something last week. I got to go back and do this. I said, I'm going to pray for you today. What I should have did is stopped and prayed for her right then. I meant I was going to pray for her in service. Um, but she's not in here right now. But sometimes well-intentioned will say things like, I'm, I'm, I'm praying about that. No, we're not. You ever done that? I'm going to pray about that. Well-intentioned, but we don't go home and pray about it. Because we watch Netflix and we just get tired and we wash our kids and we go to sleep. But I'm talking about if you will have, if you will have in the moment faith... I want to pray for you right now. You'll see God do some big things. Father, I pray for our team right now and our family. Would you just let us be led? Not religious, but led. Let us actually live as if we are in family with you. I pray this week for opportunities to come our way, to simply be loved to people. And I ask that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Look forward to seeing you next week. Have an amazing day. Thank you for taking a moment to listen in to what Jesus is doing right here at Way Family Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If you want to be a part of helping us to continue to share the gospel and get it out to as many people as we can, you can do that via Cash App at dollar sign Way Family Church, or you can visit our website at wayfamilychurch.com and click on the giving tab. For more information about Way Family Church, you can connect with us on all social media platforms or simply go to wayfamilychurch.com. Be blessed.